before. Mess your hand. You know that I've never seen you either. <laughs> I really haven't. We're glad to be here, and I mean that sincerely. And I've been taking some quick notes because this is the first night I've got to make some announcements. And I know these people are going to appreciate the announcements I'm going to make too because one of them involves them. But uh, I would like to say that tomorrow night at 6.30, tomorrow night at 6.30 and every night thereafter at 6.30, we're planning on having, for those of you who would be interested, and I'm trusting that before this crusade is over, you're going to be interested in knowing how to lead someone to Jesus Christ. It's a 45-minute course. All we ask you to do is bring yourself a Bible, red pencil, and ruler. Bible, red pencil, and ruler. Come at 6.30, and we will take 45 minutes and teach you how to lead a soul to Jesus Christ. Now, the Living Waters Ministry is an organization I had the privilege of getting involved in. In fact, I started it about eight years ago. And one of the things we have is a youth ranch. We have a ranch. It's something different. It's a complete western town. It's got the full treatment, the stagecoaches and everything, 60-some horses and all the rest. We have kids getting saved by the hundreds. But every kid that goes out of our camp, every kid, bar none, every young person that goes out of our camp from 8 to 18 years of age knows how to lead a soul to Christ before they leave because we teach them. And uh, God's been good to me. I've got a fabulous staff. But we teach them. And I'd like to teach you. It only takes 45 minutes. You don't have to know one book in the Bible. Don't have to know one book in the Bible. You bring your Bible, red pencil, and ruler, and we'll teach you. Tomorrow night, 6.30, every church member and every young person ought to know how to lead someone to the Lord. If you're truly born again, you ought to know how to lead someone to the Lord. Tomorrow night, 6.30, in, uh, is it the chapel? Thank you. I don't know the building. There's quite a building around here. I don't know all the rooms. Chapel. Where's that? Because I want to be there. <laughs> where we were tonight. All right, I know where that is. Out there. Right. Thank you, ma'am. Don't laugh, I'm new. I've got to learn my way around this building, this big building. Then, I would like to say, starting Tuesday night, after the service. Now, Devern Muller will be here Tuesday. And by the way, you're going to appreciate him. I'm just so sorry he's not going to be here when I'm in the schools on Tuesday. Boy, kids love Devern. He's different. I mean, really, he's a singer. And in high schools, he, boy, kids just love him. He, we have a great time in schools together. Of course, I play for him, so we, we make kind of a good team that way. But, oh, he is something else. You'll appreciate Devern. He loves the Lord, a tremendous singer. Devern will be here Tuesday night and through the rest of the week. But Tuesday evening after the evening service. Now, every night before the service at 7 o'clock, you're going to have your prayer meeting. Where is that, brother? Prayer meeting, um, 103 and 14. Straight across the, on the other side. Over there, one, 103 and 104? Right. Sounds like a school. One, room, room 103 and 104. All right, 103 and 104. You know where that is? Neither do I, but you'll find it. It's over here. <laughs> 7 o'clock. We want to see you there. Now, I'm going to have to miss that because I'm going to have the soul winning course at 6.30. But uh, be there at 7 o'clock to pray, if you will, for the service at 7.30. Every night, prayer meeting there. And every night, Tuesday on, after the service, we're going to have something very special. It's a very different type of prayer meeting, different than you probably have ever been in. It's the kind of prayer meeting, it's not long, but we'll tell you more about that tomorrow night, but we're going to have it from Tuesday on. Now, tomorrow night, we've got something really special. I hope you're ready to tell me some, some information now, brother. Okay, well, I'm going I'm to ask you in just a moment. I'm warning, I'm warning you ahead of time. All right. How many of you here tonight are under 25 years of age? Under 25 years of age. Would you stand? Aren't you glad you can stand it? Isn't that terrific? 
Thank you. You may be seated. Boy, that's great. All of you that are 25 years of age and older, you can just raise your hand. I know how it is when you get that age. Sure. All right. Now, all you young people, tomorrow night, what time? As soon as the service is over, we're going to meet in the patio. That's that. You look down on it. I found that out from him. It's a hole down there. Yeah. <laughs> going to be in the hole down there. All right. And what's the age group? Oh, I got him now. Look at him. He's young and young at heart. That means you and I can get in. <laughs> All right. Now, have, you, have the kids got this plan? It's planned. But I can have something to do in it. Sure, good, because I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> All right. Listen, hey, gang, we'd like to have you come. I don't know what they've got planned, but I know I've got a little section I want to take of that, and we're going to have a good time. Really, we're going to have a good time. So you plan on being here. If you're a young person, young at heart, boy, that means the whole crowd can come. But we're going to have this thing after the service in the patio, and that's tomorrow night for the young people. Now, Tuesday morning, I'm, in, I'm speaking in the high, is it the same high school, but two different age groups, right? 7th, 8th, ninth grade, and 10, 11, and 12, right? All right, now we do high school assemblies. I go into school and do high school assemblies. I can't preach in assembly. That's not... State laws don't demand you can't, I mean, they won't allow it. So I don't. But what I do, gang, is I come in and I give good moral teaching. And we have a lot of fun. And then I hope to whet the appetite of the kid to come to the evening service to see what this guy says in an evening service. So now all you young people that go to these school, the school in that age group that I'm going to be at, be ready to invite your friends to the service that night, Tuesday night. Yeah, get them here. And we'll plan on speaking on something that will be geared to them. But get them here. This is a terrific opportunity for you kids that are supposed to be Christian to get your young people and buddies and pals into the service because we'll be having a different type of session, to be sure, over there in the high school. And then again, I'm sorry, Devern's not going to be with me on that, but then we're going to have a good time and uh, plan on bringing your pals with you Tuesday night. Well, I'm going real quick now. For the Bible Hour, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, if you can get in on it, get in on it. We're going to take a subject that desperately needs to be dealt with. I want you to come with your Bibles. We're going to have a wonderful time, as I said to the counselors, because God's going to visit with us, I know, and he's going to teach us from the Word the things that we need to know. I want to say thank you to this wonderful corral behind us, Fort Wayne. Is that Bible College? How many of you are seniors? How many of you are juniors? Sophomores? Freshman? How many of you aren't voting? <laughs> oh, y'all go ahead. The director's not voting. I didn't want to leave him out. But I say thank you. That was really tremendous. Now, they didn't say it, but they should have. Out in the foyer, right? You've got, they've got their material out there. And you want to go by and look at it. Are they allowed to take some of it home with them? I don't know what you got. I haven't seen it yet. It's to be taken home. All right? Take it home with you. Find out all about this wonderful school. And uh, I appreciated their singing tonight. Didn't you? Amen? What'd you say? Amen. Good. Yes, it was tremendous. It really was. Boy, I enjoyed that. They knew what they were doing. Some of them may not have been singing, but their mouth was saying the right thing. It was terrific. <laughs> the reason I said that, I sang in a corral, and I had laryngitis, and I sang the whole Messiah, if you can believe it. <laughs> With 500 voices, and I mouthed the whole thing, and the dean of the school said, Wes, you surely sang. I thought, I can't even talk. <laughs> but I went through it. I practiced hard, and I wasn't going to miss the final. I just mouthed the whole thing. But they've got material out there. Take a look at it. I do, too. For Living Waters Ministry, you want to find out about it. This Bible Institute, we just started that this January. This is something very special. I'm just excited and thrilled with what God's been doing. We have our summer camp. We have crusades, weekend retreats. 
Saturday rallies, God's been real good to us. We've had thousands and thousands of kids accept Christ. It's been really a wonderful thing to be involved in. I'm great, glad to be a part of it. Now, the material's out there. Did you introduce the people or mention their names who are the youth children's workers? Did you? All right, because I'll have to meet them. I don't know who they are. I want to meet them. I think I've announced everything I'm supposed to announce. Good. Now, I'm here because of a reason. God said I had to come. I'm here because God said, Wes, I want you to be my spokesman in Burn, Indiana. So I'm here. Now, I want you to listen tonight. I'm not going to speak long. I love teenagers. They're the greatest, really. I had one teenager say to me, Wes, you know you don't speak long. I said, thank you. He says, it just seems like it. <laughs> you just love these teenagers. They're great. But, but I do want to talk to you from the Word of God, and I want you to listen. Because what I've got to say tonight is desperately needed in the hearts of you people that are here. And I want us to get right at it to find out what God's going to say to us. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to the book of Matthew, please. And we're going to read Scripture from the book of Matthew, chapter 27. We're going to begin reading with verse 11. Matthew 27, beginning to read with verse 11. Matthew chapter 27, beginning to read with verse 11. 27th chapter of the book of Matthew, verse 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. When he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not of many things they witnessed against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner, whom they would, and they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will you that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. And when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whither the twain will you that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person, see ye to it. Then answered all the people, and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Shall we bow for just a moment of prayer, please? Father, I pray thy Holy Spirit will do what I cannot do. Now, Lord, this is thy meeting, not mine. I'm just your human spokesman for this hour. And I pray the Holy Spirit, whom you sent, will do the work that he's been sent to do in a wonderful way. There'll be great conviction of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. I pray for every person here that is a child of thine. Lord, I don't know who they are. You do. You never make any mistakes. And as the chorale sang, one of these days it's going to be homegoing time, and only those that are truly born again are going to be going. Father, I don't know who they are, but you do. I pray tonight thy Holy Spirit will speak to their heart, and if there are things there that they need to hear, oh, God, do it for Jesus' sake. For those that may be here tonight that think they're going to heaven that aren't ever going to make it, I pray thy Holy Spirit will 
drop into their heart great conviction until they realize something's wrong in their life. For those who know they're not going to make it, they up to this moment have rejected Jesus Christ. Maybe they've never heard about him, but tonight they're going to hear. I pray, Father, for Jesus' sake, thy Holy Spirit will do what needs to be done. And for all that's accomplished, I will ascribe to thee all the praise, honor, and glory, because I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the most unusual person this world has ever known, bar none, was Jesus Christ. He was so unusual that it's, of course, he would have to be God in the flesh. Unusual in many, many ways. First, he was unusual in his birth. Let's take a moment the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in your Bible, you realize that the birth of Jesus was foretold hundreds of years before it ever happened. Micah 5, 2, Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth who is from old and from everlasting, 550 years before it ever happened. Micah said, one of thousands of towns, but he's going to be born in Bethlehem. 750 years before it happened, Isaiah the prophet under inspiration says he's going to, in 714, he's going to be virgin born. 11th chapter says he's going to come from the family of Jesse. You go to 1500 years before Jesus was born in the book of Genesis and it's recorded he's going to come from the tribe of Judah. One in thousands of tribes to be correct. One in thousands of families to be correct. One in thousands of towns to be correct. Virgin born unheard of. This alone, the first coming of Jesus Christ, demands the Bible be the divine inspired word of God. God's word proves itself. When Jesus Christ came the first time, people, over 300 prophecies were fulfilled about him, even to the very year of his birth in the book of Daniel. And so he was unusual in the fact that his birth was foretold before it ever happened. This we are talking about, the most unusual man the world has ever known. Second, his birth was unusual in the way it took place. Let me just take a moment to read from the book of Luke. It says this, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The greatest birth announcement the world's ever known. When you who are married here and have children, I have two. I have a boy who'll be 16 this month. And my other boy was 10 last month. And when my children were born... I put out birth announcements. It's a boy, it's a boy, it's a boy. I was thrilled. I was excited. The first boy was born in Calgary, Alberta. The second one in Scarborough, Ontario. We lived for nine years in Canada. That's where I had the privilege of meeting Brother Ed Prosser, who's here in our service tonight. And my boys were born. My first one, when he was born, oh, I was excited. I had bought these announcements, you know, and they give you pink and blue stickers, girl and boy. I thought, I'm not going to need the pink one because I'd ordered a boy. And I was just thrilled. Boy came. I passed, I, listen, I mailed those things out to everybody I knew. My buddy, he was in Buffalo, New York, and that was a long way to come. I called him long distance. He had two girls. I called him long distance, and I said, I've got a boy. I was so excited. That was, my, that was the birth announcement we had. Can you imagine a birth announcement like this? God takes one of the angels that he created. He said, see that group of shepherds there? Tell them the announcement. Then he takes a group of the heavenly hosts. He says, join them and sing the praises. My boy's been born. And then they came to see the Christ child. They did something that people never did when they visited your little child. They knelt and they worshipped a baby. Oh, they brought him gifts as we know, but they knelt and they worshipped a baby. The most unusual birth the world has ever known. 
unusual in his birth. He was unusual in his life. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And yet the Bible tells us in Christ, he who knew no sin became sin for us. He was sinless. God says, nothing you do in the flesh pleases him. Yet he looked down and said of Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He was different. He never committed a sin. He never did a wrong. He lived a perfect life, the most unusual man that ever lived. He did things that no man had ever done before. No man could ever do. Can you imagine what it was like to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? The crowds followed him everywhere. He was a miracle worker. Can you imagine? Here he comes down the road and there's a little procession coming toward him. And he stops the procession because a woman is crying and they're behind our little group behind her. And he says, why do you cry? He knew why she cried. He wanted to hear her say it. She says, my only son is dead. Jesus said, don't cry. Put the lad down. The pallbearers, they were taking the boy to the cemetery as a word to bury him. He said, son, come to life. And the boy that was dead came to life. He walked in the room that day. He said, she's only asleep. They laughed him to scorn. He said, put him out. Goes over to a little girl, 12 years of age. He said, daughter, arise. And the girl that was dead came to life. He stood in front of the grave that day. They said, Lord, by now his body stinketh. He's been dead four days. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and life. Roll away the stone. They finally did. And Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man that had been dead four days came to life. He walked down the road and they hollered, unclean, unclean, leprosy, the dreaded disease, the eyebrows, the eyelashes come out, white spots on the body, and then the deterioration, the fingers and the hands and the feet and the face begin to rot away and people walked on the other side, not Jesus. He could walk up to the individual, put the hand on his, his hand on the disease and speak the words and instantly the disease was gone. What would you have me to do, blind man, Lord, that I might receive my sight? And blind Bartimaeus wanted his sight and Jesus said, receive your sight and instantly he could see. I'd like to have been there that day. The waves were being tossed, some estimated between 20 and 40 feet high. It was a hurricane gale. These were fishermen. They weren't afraid of the water, but they were afraid this day they were going to perish. Jesus was asleep in the boat. And they said, Master, we're going to perish. And Jesus said, Oh, you have little faith. Can you imagine a hurricane gale? Waves estimated as high as 40 feet in the air. And Jesus spoke the word. He didn't have to yell or holler, raise his hand. He just said, Peace be still. Instantly the waves fell flat. The wind ceased to blow. It became deathly calm, and even the disciples who had seen many a miracle said, what kind of a man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? The most unusual man the world's ever known. John said, of all the deeds Jesus did were put in the books, hardly the world could contain him. Now this man is on trial. The miracle worker comes before Pilate. Pilate listens to those who give testimony against Jesus, and Pilate realizes they're lying in their teeth. They're perjuring themselves. They're lying about Jesus. Pilate says, I find no fault in the man. There's nothing worthy of death that he has done. I'll just scourge him and let him go. The people scream out, kill him, crucify, get rid of him. Pilate said, why, what evil hath he done? But they were irrational. His wife sent word to him from a, with a message, have nothing to do with this just man. I've been warned in, warned in a dream. And Pilate didn't know what to do with Jesus Christ. Please listen carefully. Pilate didn't know what to do with Jesus Christ, but then he realized Herod was in town. He sent him to Herod. He was through with this man, but Herod sent him back. And now Pilate has in front of him a man that he knows is innocent, a man that has done nothing worthy of death, and Pilate didn't know what to do with Jesus Christ. Please hear this tonight. Pilate was embarrassed and ashamed of the position he was in. He didn't know what to do with Jesus. What do you do with this man? He didn't know what to do with him. Now I'm going to make a statement some of you aren't going to like. But in a crowd this size, I'm sure there are many of you sitting right here tonight who are in the same position Pilate was in, except you are a professing believer. 
You say, what do you mean, Wes? You're embarrassed and ashamed that you know Jesus Christ. I'll prove it to you. You teenagers that are supposed to be Christian. It's Monday morning. Now it's noon. Now it's lunchtime. You go to the cafeteria, whether you bring your bag lunch or whether you get food from the cafeteria. You're there. You have the food in front of you. You're a Christian. What is a Christian supposed to do? A Christian's supposed to give thanks for his food. What do you do, teenage Christian? I'll tell you what you do if you're like most Christians. Number one, you don't do anything. And if you do happen to do it, what you're doing is this, and I'm not saying it to be funny. You're rubbing your eyes and your head a little bit and you're breathing quickly a prayer, hoping the gang doesn't know what you've done and hoping he'll understand. You bet your life he understands. You're embarrassed and ashamed of the one who died to give you eternal life, Jesus Christ. It's the locker room gang, and the girls are worse than the guys. They're telling their stories. They're rotten and filthy stories. What do you do, Christian teenager? Take your stand and say, look, I don't listen to that kind of stuff. There's one God-blessed teen looked at a fellow and said, look, pal, this isn't a garbage can for that swill. What do you do? I'll tell you what you do if you're like most Christian quote-unquote kids. You put a half smile on your face when the dirty part comes of the story. To the gang, you're saying I'm smiling. To God, you're saying I'm not. Hoping he'll understand. He does. You're ashamed of Jesus Christ. Wait a minute, Daddy. How about you? The guy's pumping gas in your car. All of a sudden, he damns your Jesus, cusses your God. What do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You pretend you didn't hear him. Why? You can call it anything you want. You're embarrassed and ashamed that you know Jesus Christ. I thank God for the memory of a dad that was the greatest personal soul winner I ever knew. My dad was a man of God. Oh, he was a lay preacher. Finally, they ordained him because he started three churches. He was a mailman, witnessed everybody on the route, and then they changed his routes, and he witnessed again, and he was winning people to Jesus Christ constantly. Our home was like Grand Central Station as people were coming in, getting converted, and going out. And my dad died and went to glory. Two weeks later, I pulled into the Gulf Station where Daddy always traded. And I went in, the guy he said, hey, he says, hey, where's your dad? I haven't seen him for a while. I said, he's in heaven. He looked at me very seriously, and he said he was a holy man. I said, what do you mean? Well, he said, I, I told him a dirty story once, but the dirty part didn't come until the last sentence. And he said, I started to laugh. And he said, I looked at his face, and I quit. He said, tears came to his eyes, and he walked over to me and put his arm around me, and he said, fella, let me tell you about my Jesus. He said he was a holy man. I squared my shoulders. That was my daddy. How about you, Daddy? Can the kids square their shoulders because you are the kind of a man that when they damn your Jesus, you look at him and say, beg your pardon, that one is my Savior. I'd appreciate it if you'd at least be kind enough to respect his name in my presence. You don't. Why? Well, Wes, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, you're ashamed of Jesus Christ. Why don't you just be honest tonight and admit it? That's the problem with the Christian church. Yeah, that's what's wrong with m most Christians today. They're ashamed of their leader. Wait a minute, Mother. Oh, wait a minute. You can talk to that lady next door about your recipes, about styles. You can talk to her about everything. You never once open your mouth to her about Jesus Christ. Why? Well, I'm not a preacher, Wes. Won't do. Well, you got to realize, Wes, that I'm the... Uh... Won't do. Don't tell me you haven't had opportunity to tell him. You don't tell him because you're embarrassed to tell him. You're ashamed of Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus said? 
And you hear it. He says, if you're going to be ashamed of me in this sinful and adulterous generation, he said, I'm going to be ashamed of you before my Father which is in heaven. And some of you dear people here tonight have been so ashamed of Jesus Christ that your testimony literally is non-existent. Pilate didn't know what to do with Jesus in certain situations you don't either. Oh, you want to go to heaven? You sure do! You don't want to take your stand for him. Tell me, what are you ashamed of? The way he lived, he never committed a sin. Ashamed of what he did, he raised the dead, he healed the sick, the blind, the maimed, the halt, he did miracle after miracle. What are you ashamed of? The way he died? They took him that day and they stripped him to the waist and they tied his hands to the side and they bent his body over and they lacerated his body with a whip that had pieces of flint and stone embedded in the, in the leather itself. And it was a long whip and as it hit the back it would wrap to the front and then the gravity would begin to pull it down and they'd yank it like crazy. And as they did it would gouge and tear the skin till it pulled the skin right off the bones. From here to here, back and front, he was literally lacerated right to the bone. He was standing in a pool of his own blood. They smashed him with their fists. They hit him with reeds. Literally what they hit him with were bamboo poles. And they smashed him so terribly, crowned him with thorns, plucked the hair off of his cheeks until the face of the Lord Jesus Christ didn't even look human. I didn't say that. God did. Isaiah 52, 14. God says when they get through with my boy, he's not going to look like a member of the human race. Jesus Christ never whimpered or cried, took that beating. They took him to Calvary, they laid him on the cross, they pounded the spikes through the hands and the feet, they tied the crucified as well because the hole was three to four feet deep and when they dropped the cross they didn't want the hands pulling off the nails. And as they dropped the cross with that terrible thud, the pelvis and the shoulder bones would go out of joint. They were methodical in the way they did the job. And then they'd come by and they'd break the legs of the crucified, but of course, a thousand years before, God said, not a bone of my son's going to be broken when they came to Jesus. They had to put the mallet down and take a spear instead because the Bible said they'll pierce his side. Had they broken the legs of Jesus, this wouldn't be the word of God. He took all that, never whimpered or cried, and then all of a sudden you hear him scream, Eli, Eli, lama thabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God poured out his wrath on Jesus Christ that day, turned his back on his son, and Jesus screamed. Why? Why did he do it? So a rotten, filthy, no good sinner like you and like me could be spared hell and make heaven. Tell me, what are you ashamed of? The way he died? The way he took the wrath of God so you wouldn't have to? What are you ashamed of? The fact that he came out of the grave after three days and now sits at the right hand of God the Father? What are you ashamed of? I'll tell you what you ought to be ashamed of. You ought to be ashamed the way you've been living as a Christian. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray. You don't try to win souls to Jesus Christ. You're ashamed of your leader. You ought to get on your knees and beg God to forgive you for the way you've been living. This is what's wrong with America. We're going to lose our freedom. We're going to lose what we've got if we don't get back to the one who alone can save this country. His name is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you people, you young people, you adults have been ashamed of Jesus Christ. You ought to beg him before you pillow your head and sleep tonight. God, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Wait a minute. There may be a reason why you have been ashamed of Jesus. Because you're not saved. Oh, you may think you are. That doesn't mean you are. A lot of people think they are that aren't. Jesus said that in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Maybe you're not a Christian. Now listen carefully. You're going to hear this every night this guy preaches because God says, Wes, don't you ever preach a sermon without you telling them how to get to heaven. I want to tell you how to get to heaven tonight. 
People say four things God wants you to know. Uh-uh. Five. I'm giving it to you from the Bible. Number one, God says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not even one, from the sole of the foot to the head. Nothing in you but wounds, bruises, and putrefying sores that have not been bound up or mollified with ointment. God says you're a sinner. Everyone is. Sinner by birth, sinner by choice. You're a sinner. Second, God says you can't save yourself. Not by works of righteousness, which you do, but according to his mercy, he saves you by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself, gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't save yourself. All your righteousness, God said, are filthy, unclean, dirty, filthy rags. You've got to believe that. Third, you've got to believe that Jesus Christ alone can give you eternal life because Jesus spoke words no man ever spake. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father but by me. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Jesus said, I'm the one that can get you to heaven. You've got to believe that. The fifth thing you've got to do is receive Christ. As many as receive Jesus, to them Jesus gives power to become children of God. But I missed one, didn't I? See, those are the four things you're told that God wants you to know, huh? Don't you dare miss number four. If you do, you're going to die in your sins and go to hell because Jesus said so. Jesus said, I tell you, nay, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus said that twice, the 13th chapter of Luke, verse 3 and verse 5, he said, repent. Peter said, repent. Paul said, repent. The word of God says, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. What does repent mean? It means to have a change of mind about sin, see it for what it is, and be willing to give it up. There is no way in the world you can become a child of God until you are willing to turn your back on the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because you can't have your sins in Jesus Christ too. Because when Jesus is accepted, you've got to turn your back on your sins so the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, can cleanse you from all sins. If you haven't turned your back, young person, on your sins, don't expect to make heaven. Jesus said, no way. You've got to be willing to do those five things. Then after you've repented, you invite Christ in. The Bible says, this is the record God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Let's pretend my watch is eternal life. My left hand is Jesus. God said, if you don't believe this record, you're calling me a liar. All right, God, what's your record? This is the record God hath given to us eternal life. This life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And he goes on in his record and says, These things have I written to you who have literally received my Son, that you may K-N-O-W know that you have eternal life. Maybe that's why you've been ashamed of Jesus. You're not saved. But Wes, I go to a fine church. That doesn't make you Christian. As was read in our scripture tonight, it's not by the blood of your parents that makes you Christian. It's not by the will of flesh that I'm going to be a Christian in my own flesh can't do it, nor by the will of man, no preacher, priest, or rabbi can get you into heaven. One person, Jesus, said, I'm that way. Let me ask you this question tonight as we come to the end of our service. If you should die in the next five minutes, and don't scoff at that because it can happen. It can happen. If you should die in the next five minutes, where are you going to spend eternity? God said, if you have my son, 
you have life. Jesus said, I'll come in after you repent. Where are you going to spend eternity, kids? Hey, adults, where are you going to spend eternity? This is the most serious question a human can ask another human. Where are you going to spend eternity? Because one of these days, life in this world is going to terminate, and then it's eternity. If you haven't done these five things, I beg you tonight to do them. You sit here and you say, Wes, I'm a Christian. Good. I've done those things. Good. Now I want to ask you one question. We're through. You've been ashamed of Jesus? Uh-oh. Be honest. He knows. You're not kidding him. You say, Wes, I have. Yeah. It's tough in school, Wes. I know it is. Boy, the guys will mock you out. I know they will. I know. I got a boy, two boys in school. I know my old one go, older one goes through standing for Jesus, but stand he does. Machiel West, huh? Bother you, son? God expected that. I'm following Jesus. Amen, son. Sure they mock you out. Sure they laugh at you. Sure they make fun of you. Sure it's hard. But did you know something? God's provided a way whereby you can live without being ashamed of Jesus Christ. Yes, he has. How, Wes? By taking making sure everything is right between you and God and then turning your body, not your life. People say, give your life to the Lord. You can't. He's never asked for it. He asks for your body. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies. Take your body from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. And I preach this in Bible schools as well. Give God your body so the Holy Spirit can program your life. And then you will find you have strength in Christ you've never had before. Why? Because Ephesians 5.18 will become your portion. Be not drunk with wine when it is excess, but be ye constantly daily filled with the blessed Holy Spirit. And you will know what it is to walk into high school with a strength you never dreamed was possible. And all of a sudden, no longer ashamed. In fact, you're proud of the fact that you know Jesus. You're just thrilled. God says, I'll do that for you. Because greater is he, the Holy Spirit within you, than he that was in the world. The devil and all of the demons of hell. Been ashamed of Jesus? Why don't you tonight ask him to forgive you? Tell him you're sorry as a Christian. Say, I'll give you my body. What did Paul say? Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. You're the candidate. You lay yourself on that cross and God does the nailing. You can't nail yourself. You nail your two feet in a hand. You still got one hand free. No, no, you're the candidate. Christian, he does the nailing. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I. The Christ liveth in me in this life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The crucified man can't look back. The cross is behind him. The crucified man is faced in one direction the way the cross is faced. The crucified man has no future plans of his own. He's crucified. You give your body to God and let the Holy Spirit of God crucify you and you will find you won't look back. Having put your hand to the plow, you won't look back. Second, you're faced in one direction, heavenward. Third, no future plans of your own. Lord, what do you want me to do? I invite you tonight, Christian, take inventory. If that song they sang takes place tonight and Jesus Christ comes, and he could, I believe the judgment seat of Jesus Christ is set up immediately. You're going to give account of why you've been ashamed of Jesus. Oh, yes, you will. Get it squared away tonight. Tomorrow will be one blessed day if you do. I'm challenging you Christian young people. Give God your body. Let the Holy Spirit program your life and all oh, what he'll do for you. I look back. I was saved at 17. 24 years of age, I found out God wanted my body. 
I didn't know that till Dr. Tozer told me. It's marvelous. I got God's choice from my life's partner. That was part of the blessing you get. I'm in the work God wants me and I've got two fabulous boys that love Jesus. I've got a home where Jesus is the center. I've got a soul winning wife. I've got a soul winning family. I've got a soul winning work. God's been better to me than I deserve and I know it. I just thank him for letting me meet Dr. Tozer so he could take his Bible and say, Wes, if you really want victory, because I was up and down, I said, I do. He says, this is what you have to do, and I just gave it to him. Give God your body. If you're not sure you're saved, get that straightened out tonight. Tomorrow may never come. Shall we pray? Father, I pray the Holy Spirit will have taken what has been given. Lord Jesus, that the devil will be defeated. Every one of us, from this preacher right on down the line, every one of us will take inventory how we stand before thee. Holy Spirit, this is your work, not mine. I can't do it. Convict for Jesus' sake. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to ask you a question again. Listen. Answer it and be honest. Be honest. If you die tonight, where are you going to spend eternity? If you die tonight, where are you going to spend eternity? For all of you sitting here tonight that know without a shadow of a doubt you're going to be in heaven, you know it. I invite you right now in your heart, not out loud, in your heart, just say thank you to Jesus for saving you. It's the greatest thing in the world. For those of you that sit here tonight and you say, Wes, I'm not sure I'd make heaven. I don't know if I have ever repented. Or I, I know I won't make heaven, Wes. Well, let me ask you a question now. Answer it in your heart honestly. Would you like to make heaven? Would you like to have your sins forgiven? Would you like to escape the wrath of God? Would you like to bypass the awful place of hell and make it to heaven? Would you like to have peace and joy that only Jesus can give? Would you like to live with a capital L and have life be meaningful for you? Would you like that? And guaranteed if you die tonight you go to heaven? Would you like that? You say, Wes, I really would. All right, now listen carefully. If you would like that, I'd like you to pray a little prayer after me. Oh, not out loud. No, you don't even have to move your lips because God knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You can't think without using words. But if you would like tonight to become a child of God and make sure you're going to heaven, I invite you, not out loud, but in your heart, to pray this little prayer after me and mean it. Now, don't pray it out loud. Pray it in your heart and mean it. If you mean business, you pray this little prayer in your heart right now. Dear God, the Bible says I'm a sinner. I believe it. The Bible says I can't save myself. I believe it. The Bible says Jesus Christ died for me, that he has eternal life to give me. I believe it. Dear God, I'm sorry for my sins. I repent of my sins. I forsake them. Wash me clean in the blood of Jesus. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my life right now. I accept thee as my Savior and my Lord. I pray this prayer in your name. Heads about, eyes are closed, please. Just for a few more moments. I want to ask you a question. Did you pray that prayer? Did you mean it? If you prayed that prayer tonight and you were sincere, you weren't fooling, 
I'd like to have the privilege of praying for you. I really would. If you prayed that prayer tonight, you say, Wes, I meant it with all my heart. If you did, all I'm going to ask you to do right now is this. Just slip that hand up for a moment and put it right back down again. I want to pray for you. Wes, I prayed it. I meant it. If so, let me see your hand right now. God bless you and you and you and you and you and you and you. There's a big auditorium I know. Let's take the balcony to my left. You're right. Wes, I prayed it and I meant it. If you did, just let me see your hand for a moment. I want to pray for you. If you prayed it, God bless you. Yes. Someone else? Just lift it right up and put it right back down again. Yes, God bless you. And you? Yes, I see it, hon. God bless you, gal. Yes, God bless you, gal. Any others in that section? I meant it, Wes. I wasn't fooling. If, if not, just let me see your hand a moment. I want to pray for you. All right, center section right in front of me. Wes, me too. I meant it. Way up in the balcony. Way up in the balcony. Yes, I see it up there. God bless you and you and you. And way back there, I see it, pal. God bless you, buddy. Anyone else in the center section of the balcony? Way up high? Yes, I see it. God bless you, pal. I'm so glad. The greatest decision you're ever going to make. I see it way back there, yes. To my right, your left, balcony. West, me too. Just slip it up till I see it. Put it right back down again. I'll pray for you. I see it, gal. God bless you, yes. Anyone else? God bless you, buddy. Good for you, son. Anyone else? All right, my right, your left over here under the balcony. Wes, I did pray that prayer. If you did, just let me see your hand a moment. Put it right back down again. If you meant business, let me see it. Center section, way up. Hi, yeah, I see it. God bless you. Yes, buddy, sure, gal, I see it. God bless you, fella, I see it. To my left, your right, downstairs. Wes, me too. I see it, pal. I see it. Yes, God bless you. Good for you. Yes, gal, I see it over there. God bless you. Heads about, eyes are closed. I want no one to look. You say, this is strange. No, it's not. You can even go to Bible school and not be saved. It can happen. It has happened. Anyone in the choir? Wes, I wasn't sure, but I am tonight. I meant this. Anyone at all? I'd love to pray for you. Father, I pray for all of these. I see hands, you see hearts. I pray thy blessed Holy Spirit will do the miracle of conversion. Now, conviction, you've done, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Now, in the miracle that no one will understand that we get to glory, do the work of regeneration. And may these dear ones know without a shadow of a doubt they've been born again. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. One more question. You're here tonight and you walked in this building a child of God, but as you sat here, God the Holy Spirit has pounded at you and told you you've been ashamed of Jesus. And tonight, you're through being ashamed of Jesus. You're willing to say, God, I am sorry, Jesus, forgive me, and you are willing to let God have your body, program your life, and be the kind of a Christian that Jesus will not be ashamed of. This is a sincere desire in your heart. If this be the case, I'm asking you, if you would, let me pray for you. Would you slip your hand up and put it down again? I mean business. God bless you. Way back there. Over there. Over there. Down there. I see him. Just up and down. Just hold him up for a moment. Put him right back down again. I see him. God bless you, people. Balcony. Downstairs. Just hold him up. I see it over here to my right. God bless you, gang. To my left. God bless you over here. Center section balcony. God bless you there, folk. Good for you. Downstairs under the balcony. Center section. God bless you. Just up and down. Over to the right here. My right. God bless you, people. Left. God bless you. You mean it? I'm sure you do. Anybody in the crowd? Wes, I want to have my body. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, pal. 
I didn't know this was 24. I already graduated from Bible school. I was in university when I found it. Father, I pray for these all again. I see hands, you see hearts. But I pray tonight these dear Christians will know what it is to be controlled by the Spirit of the living God. This is thy work. Do it for Jesus' sake. Amen. I want you to look this way, if you will. See that book? You raise your hand, I want you to have it. First chapter tells you about the Holy Spirit. It's one of my greatest little booklets. Got six chapters, so you'll love it. It's terrific. This booklet here, I want every one of you who said, Wes, I'm a Christian, but I've been ashamed of Jesus, and I'm through being ashamed of him. I'm not going to be anymore. I want him to control me. I want to give you this little booklet. This is my love gift to you. I brought hundreds of these with me because I'm believing that God's going to do a miracle. He's already done it. And I want you to have one. And I want it to, it's my love gift to you. Every one of you Christians said, I mean that, Wes. I'm through being ashamed of Jesus. I'm willing to let God have my body. The first chapter tells you how to do it by Dr. Tozer. I didn't write this. I compiled it from great men of God, how to have devotions, how to mark your Bible for soul winning, how you can know if something's a sin if it's not mentioned in the Bible and so forth. I want you to have this, dear Christian. This little booklet will be our blessing beyond anything you, I believe you can imagine because it tells you how to do it. it needs to be done. For you who said, Wes, I prayed that prayer to make sure I was going to heaven and invite Jesus in, this little blue, blue booklet says this new life. This is my love gift to you. I want you to have one.